Thank you for tuning in to the sermon webcast of Living Savior. We are one church serving in two locations, Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. For more information, go to lsavior.org. This individual witnesses a robbery. She's standing in the parking lot of her bank when she watches a man pull up in a truck, step out of his vehicle, pull a mask down over his face, and and rush into the bank. As he sprints out of the bank, the, the alarm is going off. He steps into his vehicle and drives away. Later on, the police detectives determined that the teller that he held up at gunpoint didn't see his face, didn't hear his voice. They have no fingerprints. They have no decent footage from from the security cameras. But they have a credible witness. They show this woman a number of photographs. She picks one out very confidently. An arrest is made. During the ensuing trial, she sits on the witness stand and she points to the accused and she says, yes, that is the man that I saw dash into that bank after he had pulled a mask over his face and then come out and and, and drive away. That's him. I saw his face. Turns out her eyewitness testimony is so powerful It proves sufficient for justice to be served and for a conviction to be announced and for a man who performed a a dangerous crime to be put behind bars. When you're searching the book of Acts in the Bible's New Testament, you're learning that God has done powerful things through witnesses who saw and then testified to what they saw. Witnesses like Peter and John. They they witnessed Jesus baptized at the Jordan River when, when heaven was torn open and the Holy Spirit came down like a dove and the voice of the Father spoke his approval. They witnessed his miracles. They witnessed his compassion and his holy holy life. They witnessed his sufferings and death. They witnessed him risen from the grave. And then they witnessed as he ascended into heaven till a cloud hid him from their their eyes. Peter and John then told their neighbors, their community, their countrymen. In fact, they told the world what they had seen and heard of Christ. For 35 years for for Peter, for, for decades for John, they testified to what they had seen in the Lord. But the witnessing wasn't limited to just Peter and John, was it? For 28 gripping chapters, the book of Acts shows how every disciple is always a witness of some sort, each giving powerful testimony that proves sufficient for for God's grace to be served and for his salvation to be shared and and for undeserving sinners like like me and you to to be brought to heaven through faith in Jesus. 
Dear listeners, this morning we revisit the opening chapter of the book of Acts, and we realize that was once true about Peter and John remains true at our time too. Everyone a witness. Everyone a, a witness who has been called by Jesus to testify and equipped by the Holy Spirit through the word to do that very well. Every one of us, a powerful witness who can serve God's grace and share God's salvation and point undeserving sinners like us to eternal life in heaven. The evening after he rose, you know very well what those first eyewitnesses saw. Gathered behind locked doors, they saw the once killed, now living Jesus suddenly standing in front of them. They looked at his hands. They, they looked at his feet. They examined the, the, where the soldiers had pound nails into him to, to pin him to a cross. They, they examined the, 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 the gash in his side where a soldier had pushed a spear to confirm the fact that he was dead. They watched as he ate in front of them to prove that he wasn't a ghost. But they also listened as he explained that everything that they had witnessed fit perfectly with what the scriptures said about him. He opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And then he said, you are witnesses of these things. Forty exciting days passed very quickly. The writers tell us that Jesus appeared to his followers a number of times. On one occasion, he told them, go into all the world and, and preach the gospel to all creation. On another occasion, he said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And now at their final meeting, he, he said this again. He said, you will be my witnesses here in Jerusalem and nearby in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That great commission, you have to figure, is the number one reason why God kept Peter and John alive for decades after this. That, that great commission is at the top of the list why Mary and her sister Martha and Susanna and Joanna and Mary Magdalene witness Christ's victory over death. And the Great Commission still has to be the number one reason why I and you are still in this world. I mean, think about it. The day you were baptized, what, 15 years ago? 50 years ago? 80 years ago? The day you were baptized, all your sins were washed away. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit put his holy name on you to indicate that you belong to him for eternity. 
At your baptism, you received a, a, a rock-solid assurance of eternal life in heaven. Heaven is perfect peace. Heaven is uninterrupted joy, and, 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 and life is only God can provide it. So the day you were baptized, why didn't God simply take you into heaven that day? Why did God, you, God allow you to, to live longer in this imperfect and not so peaceful world? Why did he allow you to remain in, in, a, in a life where every joy is only temporary and where every day is, is stressful, where your status as God's child is actually threatened? And you could, scripture indicates, you could even fall away from this, this faith and these blessings he's given you. Maybe the best answer is this. You and I are still here so that others might learn of him and themselves be brought to faith. We're still here so that others might be given the gift of eternal life themselves. We're still here to do what we truly are in the Lord, and that is to be his witnesses to family members, to close friends, to relatives, to other acquaintances with whom we can share the, the most powerful and enduring message there is. You know, the, the, the truth to which we testify as Christ's witnesses is not all that complicated. Essentially, it has two parts to it. There is the, the, the message of God's law, and there's the message of God's gospel. The message of God's law is those commands that do more than show us guidance as far as how we're supposed to live. God's law shows us our sins and condemns us for them. No one will be declared righteous in God's sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. That's the letter to the Romans, chapter 3. So you and I testify to that stark, harsh truth. We tell people, we say, you know those Ten Commandments? that You've not only heard of them, you maybe memorized them when you were young. And you regularly hear them. You know, that, that list of you shall and you shall not, those do's and don'ts. We tell people that not only is God's pathway for how we should live, but it's a list of those deeds of, of which we often fail. It, it shows us that before God, we're condemned as lawbreakers. The other part of the witnessing, the other part of the message, of course, is the, the gospel, the, the good news of, of, of the Savior from our sins. You know the passage so well. How God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's from St. John chapter 3. The gospel not only reveals who that savior of the world is, it also declares that that savior is given 
unto eternal life completely and entirely by grace through faith in him. Our testimony as the Lord's witnesses include the bad news and the good news, the message about our sin and the message about our Savior. It'll include speaking of of law and gospel, that which we've witnessed so clearly on the pages of Scripture. But I'm not surprising any of you with that, am I? You, you know those two truths very well. You, you, you come to a, a further understanding of them every time you hear the word. You know what to say. But do you do it? Recently I came across a strange historical oddity. As you may have learned, it took some time for Christianity to be legalized in the Roman Empire. About three centuries before Christians could worship openly without fear of of, of persecution or arrest. When that happened, though, when Christianity became legal, it became in, in some communities, some cities, sort of a spectator event. The pagans, the unbelievers, would, would set up viewing areas, sort of like grandstands. They'd, they'd find their way to those viewing areas on Sundays, and then they'd watch the Christians baptize. And they'd watch as the Christians listened to the scriptures being read and explained and taught. And they'd watch as the Christians engaged in this unusual ritual to them where they received bread and wine and and said that they were receiving the the body and blood of Jesus. How odd. How strange. Because Christianity is never intended to be a, a spectator event. Rather, all people are to be baptized and all are to hear the word of God preached and taught and, and, and all, once taught and instructed, are to, to receive the Savior's body and blood in, in the Lord's Supper. And likewise, all Christians are to be witnesses. Not spectating, not, not watching as others have the privilege and the challenge of doing this, Rather, every one of us is a witness called by Jesus to testify. What you and I will expect, of course, is that our witnessing will sometimes be discouraged and it will sometimes be dismissed. We'll anticipate that our witnessing will sometimes be be tested and even, even threatened. The Greek word that's used right here for, for witness It's the same word we have in the English language for martyr. So the word itself reminds us that from early on, witnesses like Stephen and and John's brother James and and, and Peter were themselves martyred. They testified even to the point of being put to death. As the Lord's witnesses for today, we should allow for the possibility of of threats to our lives or threats to our reputations. We should allow the likelihood that we witnesses will be tested by other setbacks and frustrations. Because the devil doesn't waste his time on the people that are sitting in the bleachers and watching. 
He makes every effort, though, to, to go after those who are out front, to those who are participating, to those who are actively not only hearing the word and growing in their own faith, but telling it, sharing it with others. Still, Jesus promises, you will be my witnesses. Matter of fact, he prefaces that promise with another one. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, which makes the, the rest of the book of Acts so compelling. It's Acts chapter 1, and these eyewitnesses, they, they stand on a hill near Jerusalem, and they, and they watch until a cloud hides, hides him from their eyes. And then they go back to Jerusalem with great joy, and they gather with others, but there's still a little bit of a hesitancy. There's a bit of timidity, a bit of fear. So the Holy Spirit, ten days later, comes on them. And suddenly they're, they're out in the street testifying to others about the love of Jesus. And soon Peter is front of, in front of a crowd of thousands preaching that Christ, whom they killed, rose from the grave. And that there is repentance and forgiveness of sins through baptism in his name. And soon Peter and John are, are testifying to Jesus' enemies. And they're getting arrested. And then they're miraculously be, being, being freed from jail. And they're out there testifying again. The whole account, 28 chapters of, of setback after setback. And yet as the believers functioned in keeping with who they were, as they were Christ's witnesses, the book of Acts is filled with victories for the gospel and people being brought to the knowledge of their salvation. But that's not just Christian history. The same Holy Spirit comes upon you and me and equips us to be his witnesses ourselves. When you realize that your friend needs Jesus just as much as you do. And that you, the friend, are in the best position to bring that friend the truth of Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit coming on you with the power of the word. When you trust that the almighty King of kings and Lord of lords who will someday judge the nations, when you trust that he's also with you to help you with what to say and how to say it, that's the Holy Spirit coming on you with the power of the word. When you remember the book of Acts accounts of, of women and men who experienced frustration and persecution and rejection and anger and threats to their lives. When, when, when you see how they persisted till they brought this hope to so many, well, that's the Holy Spirit coming on you through the power of the word. And when you realize that in your earthly lifetime, there's nothing better than to hear an acquaintance speak of her newfound confidence in Jesus. Nothing better, better than to see how they, she then demonstrates Christian patience and love in her household. Nothing better than to see 
her children being baptized and that next generation themselves being raised in the faith. And the most important feature of each of your relationships has to do with bringing the grace of a loving Savior to someone else. That's the Holy Spirit coming on you with the power of the word. Pray for that blessing. Jesus tells you, pray for the Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit, pray for the compassion for souls that, that Jesus demonstrated and spoke about. That, that even one lost sheep, one single one, is worth every effort to rescue and, and, and bring back to the safety of the Lord's flock. Pray for the faith that will overcome your fears. Pray for concern for, for those who will never know the love of their Heavenly Father until somebody like you, until perhaps you yourself, tell them about it. And pray per, for persistence. A publisher of, of books for business people put out the results of, of, of a survey that they conducted. The survey showed that 80% of all sales are made after the fifth call. Yet here's what they also found out. 48% of all salespeople made one call and, and quit. 25% made two calls and quit. 12% made three calls and quit. So, you doing the math? 15% persist in their calling and they make 80% of the sales. In selling someone on what Jesus gives them, no charge, have you been giving up too quickly? Have you stopped after just one conversation or, or, or three or four? Pray for the gift of persistence. But most of all, Pray that you recognize that your most important role in your home, in your marriage, in your, in your family, among your friends and coworkers, in your community, your most important role is the one that Jesus promised to you and called you to. It's to be that powerful witness who not only has been called by the Holy Spirit, but thoroughly equipped by the Holy Spirit with the power of God's word. God bless you with an eagerness for the task of being who you are. And that is a powerful witness to the one who gives eternal life to all who believe in his name. Amen. May he who began a good work in you carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen.